I need a doctor, doctor. The new album is called The Doctor. It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Welcome back to Cheap Talk, episode 50. Today we kick off this episode with a very sad dedication. Talk listeners and Cheap Trick fans. I'm Tracy Yeshulis, a longtime Cheap Trick fan and Cheap Talk fan as well. I'm here to talk for a moment about a guy who has been an integral part of Cheap Trick backline, Larry Malero. For those of you who don't know, Larry was Rick's guitar tech and we lost him suddenly on September 22nd. His death has left a big hole in the Cheap Trick family and his shoes will be incredibly hard to fill. Larry was a larger than life kind of guy. If he liked you, you knew it. If he didn't, you knew it. I felt privileged to be someone who was able to know him a little bit more than some. When I first saw him, he seemed like a very serious, leave me alone kind of person. I was intimidated by his demeanor. But over time, I saw something. When he would call a child over at the end of the show and bring them up on stage to grab pics and pose for a photo, he would be smiling from ear to ear. He was a teddy bear inside. As I got to know him, I learned that he was a humble man who loved his family and loved his friends like family. He was proud of his work and he loved music. He was an accomplished guitar player and a big Van Halen fan. He actually was in a Van Halen tribute band called Fat Halen. He loved his Jack Daniels and Coors Light. He was a great listener, even though he was full of sarcasm, jokes, and his favorite gesture was flipping you off. He was kind and loyal to those close to him. Even if you only saw him once or twice a year, he made you feel like you were special. He knew the best dive bars, told the best stories, loved pumpkin pie, but only with real whipped cream, not that cool whip crap. He was a roadie's roadie with an infectious laugh and his dedication to Cheap Trick was unwavering. As a testament to how much he was loved, a GoFundMe page that was started for his family far exceeded the intended goal in only one day and has since been closed. I will, like so many others, miss him so very much, and I send my sincere condolences to the Malero family as well as our Cheap Trick family. Rest in peace, Larry. The world will never be the same without you, my friend. On behalf of Ken, BJ, and the staff of Cheap Talk, we would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Larry Malero.
Welcome back to Cheap Talk, your unofficial Cheap Trick podcast. Today we're discussing side one of the doctor, and as usual, I'm joined by the lovely and talented and effervescent Brian Cramp, BJ Cramp. Welcome back to Cheap Talk. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there, ladies and gents. And we have from the Sit and Spin podcast, it's Jumpin' Joe Royland. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Podfather. Glad to be here with you and BJ. I've been looking forward to talking about this album for a while. Very good. Today we are talking about one of the most infamous records in the entire Cheap Trick catalog. It's The Doctor, side one. So where do we start? Brian, let's get this album up on the operating table. What were your initial thoughts on The Doctor? <laughs> that's, a, that's a can of worms. It's very interesting that when this record came out, Cheap Trick were on the number one album in the country, which is kind of a nice position to be in when you have a new record coming out. I mean, the Top Gun soundtrack was number one for five weeks between August and October. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Mike Hayes says that this album came out in September, but on Wikipedia, it says it came out in November. Mm. So either way, it came out right when Top Gun was just huge, you know? It was September because I, I remember buying it in September. Well, there you go. <laughs> the day it came out. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would have trusted my case over Wikipedia anyways. Uh, this isn't the first time I've found an in incorrect release date on Wikipedia. So, um, But yeah, the, but the thing about Top Gun is Mighty Wings was like the only song that wasn't a huge hit from that <laughs> album, it seems like. But it still was a lot of exposure, so they come out with a record right when... You know, they have that like big promotional vehicle there where they're linked to the Top Gun soundtrack. So, you know, the, and they had a, a kind of a commercial comeback with Standing on the Edge. I don't really remember, but Joe, I think Tonight It's You was on MTV a lot, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. And there, there was a, I have the single for it. Uh, it was getting a ton of airplay. Uh, they were opening for Heart at that time because that's who I remember seeing them open for when they played in town. So they were in a pretty good position when this album came out to be optimistic, I would think, at least about it. But the product that they, they put out there for the fans <laughs> didn't wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that was ready to capitalize on that, I guess. My thoughts about the album are that the production is a nightmare for the most part. A couple of songs where it's not quite as horrendous, but... You know, there's good songs buried in there, but the whole presentation, the album cover, the production, very problematic, you know, from my point of view. And uh, like I'm saying, they were kind of set up to maybe, you know, they, they were set up pretty well coming out with a new record, but I guess this wasn't the record to, yeah, to capitalize. Because it was, it was only a year after uh, Standing on the Edge, but... Here's the thing, too, is like while I did, in fact, buy this record on release day, I was working in the music store at the time and I had no idea this album was even coming out. It just showed up at the store and I'm like, what? Cheap, Cheap Tricks got a new album out? Well, OK, I'm buying this today. Uh, when I got home and listened to it, it was a little bit of a different story. But um, there was like I don't remember there being much of any promotion behind this record even coming out. It just kind of showed up in the store. Wow. I have a buying story. Yeah, cool. I was in pretty good with the record store owner, and 
friend, he told me, hey, there's a new cheap trick record out. No one's buying it. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, yeah. He said, come on down. If you buy the cassette, because they're really pushing us to sell this on cassette, if you buy the cassette, I'll give it to you on CD. Wow. So that was a good two-for-one kind of deal, right? Now, the only reason I knew that this album was out was because we saw the video on MTV, right? And there's something distinct about that video. We'll get to that when we talk about that song. But you're right. You come off a really strong album, Standing on the Edge. I think it's a strong album. You're touring with Heart, which is now one of the biggest acts in the country because they have their revival. I wish they would have spent a couple more months in the studio doing something that uh, would live up to the hype, right? That would live up and capitalize on what was going on. And you take a look at that Top Gun soundtrack. How did they not do something where they're just like performing the song for about five minutes? You know what I'm saying? It, it couldn't have been all that difficult just to get in front of a a, a camera and film yourself because – the their video for Mighty Wings was only clips from the movie. You didn't see Robin lip syncing. You didn't see Rick doing anything. What a wasted opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Especially considering how huge the Top Gun soundtrack was. I remember that. I had that, you know, in 86 I was 12 and I wasn't into Cheap Trick yet really. But um, I did have the Top Gun soundtrack because <laughs> I think almost everyone had it. You know, it was... It was huge. I mean, the movie and the soundtrack were both pretty much as popular as could possibly be, really. And yeah, there were how many massive singles from that soundtrack. So you you would think it's just a no-brainer to push Mighty Wings just as strong as they put as the rest of those songs and try to make that a hit as well. But uh, well, especially since too, like the the Top Gun soundtrack. I think it was on Columbia Records, but still the same parent company as Epic Records at the time, which was Sony. So you would think they would push their own artists. Yeah. And like you guys are saying, it seems like the record didn't get much promotion either, which is another that also doesn't make any sense. You know, you've got this artist that's connected to this hot product, the Top Gun soundtrack. Now they've got an album coming out that coincides with that. You'd think you'd try to link that promotion up, you know? So there you've got, you could, you know, double team it with Mighty Wings and their new album. It seems like a no-brainer. Somewhere along the line, and this falls in line with the whole album everywhere in general, is that there were just bad decisions being made. Because, like, I always tell people, I think The Doctor is essentially, as music, as songs, it's a good album just buried under a mountain of bad choices uh, bad decisions as far as how it's going to be mixed how it's going to be mastered you know all that stuff and i think that just carried over into whoever was calling the shots with promotion from the record label and their management and not capitalizing on that too yeah that's the huge mystery is why the record sounds the way it does because if you look at tony platt the producer if you look at his history there's no indication that he would make the record sound like this Whatever he did on Standing on the Edge, you know, there's, you know, they say that Jack Douglas, you know, he was supposed to produce it, then he backed out, and then it's Tony Platt's fault that it ends up sounding, it was supposed to sound heavier than it does. Who knows what, you know, who knows how much rewriting of history is going on there. And obviously, Standing on the Edge doesn't even have an, even close to as many problems as, as The Doctor does. 
um, right. in, in that in that sense. But but yeah, Tony Platt's history. There's no indication that he would make the record sound like this. So right. that's it's really weird. Yeah, this is the guy who engineered ACDC's Highway to Hell and Back in Black. Uh, like that was one of his big step ups. He started out as an engineer working for Island Records, like engineering songs for The Who and Zeppelin and The Stones and Free and Paul McCartney and Bob Marley. And, you know, then gets a job working for Mutt Lang, one of like the greatest producers in the world. And so I'm sure like from Cheap Tricks Camp or something, they're like, well, this guy's got a great track record. Let's bring him in. It wasn't like that pretty much wasn't that the case is like. Jack Douglas kind of dropped out of standing on the edge and Platt was brought in to like mix it and finish the album up. So they're like, well, you know, he kind of saved our bacon at the end of that. Let's give him a shot in producing the next album. And you would, like you said, like he, he, he's got the credentials that you'd think would be good. You look at his track record, but then like, how do we end up with the mess that we ended up with, with, for the doctor? And I kind of would point my finger at the guy who, co-mixed the album and did all the keyboards and sequencers and that was paul klingberg and i'm yeah. thinking maybe he had a bigger hand in all this than we think yeah maybe so i mean tony platt produced another perfect day the motorhead record which is great and he also produced man of war and yt around this time those aren't like those bands best records or anything but uh he produced celtic frost um and then he also produced Love and War by Lillian Axe right after this, which I think sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I love that album. So there's no other album in his catalog that sounds anything like The Doctor, I don't think. That's kind of a common theme that we're hearing, that this is such a weird aberration, such a strange abomination, right? And when anybody said, hey, a new Cheap Trick record's coming out, no one thought of it as sounding like this. But someone did this on purpose, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah. an ac- it wasn't an accident that it sounds this way. Yeah. So, so yeah, how did like, this happen? Yeah. Listen, you could have just put a microphone down on a desk, and Bunny could have played pencil drums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it would have sounded ten times better than this. That's the worst thing about the record is yeah. what they did to the drums for sure. That that is an absolute crime because like why somebody felt the need to take basically what they did was they took Bunny's live drum tracks and then they programmed them all into a sequencer and and for the most part and then like triggered the drums and you know made them sound electronic rather than just using the regular drums that were there. All right, Joe, get out of my way. I'm getting on my soapbox. I want you to get up now. Ladies and gentlemen. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. There's no reason for drums to sound like this. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> Especially when you have someone named Bunny Carlos in your band. Your drum shouldn't sound like this. Thank you. Good day. I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value! All right, and with that having been said, we need to mention a stalwart Cheap Talk listener and Cheap Trick fan, Kevin O'Connor. He had the idea to do something called The Cure. Let's cure the doctor. And what he wants to do, and we announced it, and nobody seemed to really jump on it, but we're appealing to... All of the Cheap Trick fans out there, Pete LaRusa, Rick Frell, people who have talent, I'm talking to you. 
That's right, I'm pointing right now through the internet, right at you. What Kevin O'Connor suggested that we do is all of us fans that are musically inclined re-record these songs and do it like a real rock band should. And then we will actually know whether the songs are good or whether there's really nothing underneath the production, right? It's kind of like a light show. Ooh, but there's there's not much sizzle on this stick. We would find out if, if there actually was, right? What do you think about that idea, BJ? Yeah, actually, I think I had signed up to do a song for that, but I think, I don't remember, was it It's Only Love? <laughs> I think I said I would do one. Was the name but... of the song I'm, I'm Procrastinating? <laughs> Off the B-side of a single? Joe, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, I'd love it. I'd buy that album. All right. Well, let's make it happen and let's make it a downloadable thing. So if you're out there and you've got a guitar and you've got a mic, just do it. Just do it, right, BJ? I mean, it's up to you. Well, yeah, we could we could we could just put it out as an episode of the podcast if we get if we get all the tracks together. Yeah. You know. So if you want to hear a different version of the doctor, it's up to you. <laughs> there's no need to call in the doctor or look in the rear view mirror and find out if you're lonely tonight Let, this is the name of the game you gotta take it to the top right Right. and if you only love the doctor then get on it and help us find a cure for the doctor good girls go to heaven bad girls re-record songs from the doctor Ah, that's the name of the game that's right and enough puns. So anyway, here we are, side one of The Doctor. <sighs> you know, I have to confess something to our stalwart Cheap Talk listeners. I really didn't want to do this episode. You know why, BJ? Why? Because I love Cheap Trick. I love Cheap Trick so much that it hurts me to say that I don't like something. Well, you know, so did Tony Platt. I was listening to him on the double stop. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said he was a huge Cheap Trick fan. He said Dream Police never left his turntable when it came out, and he said it was a dream to get to work with the band. <laughs> and then, uh, and then this happened. But <laughs> so, well, you understand my uncomfortableness, right? Because I I love to talk about Cheap Trick, and I usually I don't think you and I have ever really talked about the Doctor even one on one which is a whole nother album, but I don't think we've ever talked about The Doctor because it's too painful. It's just too much. So if I weep or need to be drunk to talk about this album, you know what's going on. As a matter of fact, when I was taking notes the other night, I got online and I asked people what they thought about it, and BJ kept saying, are you drunk, Ken? (laughs) (laughs) So everybody Uh. up at Twitter... Hello, it's finally happening. Here we are. This is the album. And what about the cover? Oh, <laughs> Some things are better left undone. Does it say in Mike Hayes' book that it was supposed to be a picture of Rick dressed as a doctor? <laughs> That's a, I read that somewhere. Yeah. I've never think, seen a picture that, that would, you know, that, that would have been, been that. but An improvement. <laughs> Ten times better. Well, he had those weird flippy sunglasses that he wore all the time. He could have just wore that and had a stethoscope up to a guitar, right? Well, that would have been an odd thing. Cheap Trick never did that where they put only Rick on the cover. You know, like an, like an Angus Young, like an Angus Young type thing. Uh, yeah. Um, that would have been a, a, weird, a weird turn for them to take too, I think, though. 
But that's like one of those things too, like where I think kind of along the lines of uh, woke up with a monster. I think the cover just turned people off. Or do you just you don't you know, I mean granted at least with this you get the classic cheap trick logo but the rest of it you look at that and you go this is a cheap trick album is this supposed to be like an MTV ready like eighties you know colorful cover that you know would fit yeah, in with I the times I don't I don't think it does <laughs> you know I mean well Kiss had Asylum then there was that Outfield album cover and then there was uh, the Motels. So really yucky paintings were kind of in vogue. Yeah, yeah. I mean it does it does it does uh reek of the eighties, but not the as the, not as the, the <laughs> not the hard rock world that Cheap Trick were in, though, you know. Yeah, well there's not much hard rock in this album though. <laughs> that that's a pretty good statement in general about this record. It reeks of the eighties. Yeah. It reeks of something. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. It's up to you. Track one off of side one. It's up to you. Written by Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander. BJ, take it. I, it's just too hard for me to talk about. Well, you know, it's off to a jarring start with the synthesizer kicking in. Actually, it reminds me of Q, the way QR3 starts. The, the the Quiet Riot album that has lots of synth, which I I like that album a lot. But uh, it was another thing where the new Quiet Riot album comes out and the first thing you hear is just the synthesizers like this and you're just kind of like, hmm, I don't know about this. But this song suffers from what the whole album suffers from, which is Robo Bunny. <laughs> and the, yeah. not only the Robo Bunny, but all the additional like synthetic percussion that you're just yeah, hearing that... in your head. And it's like, why? Why does that repeating uh, beatbox like have to be that closes out the song why does that even have to be there yeah it's really yeah it's completely superfluous and just hinders enjoyment of the song so you know i would love to hear this song minus all of the synthetic stuff because to me this is a really good song yeah even even the way it is here i i like it but it definitely doesn't live up to its full potential which with everything but the kitchen sink thrown in but this is my favorite song on the album this is a great song that's partially ruined by a bunch of bullshit but record this like one-on-one or next position please and or standing on the edge even and this is a great song yeah so you're saying this is your number one song on the album yeah this is my personal favorite as a song as as the melody you know the verse the chorus the melody of it. I mean, there's problems with this song that make it so that you can't possibly enjoy it as much as you should be able to, but yeah, I think it's great as a song. Wow. It's just kind of ruined. Joe, what are your thoughts on this song? Well, I'm going to go one further than DJ and say that actually, while it's not my favorite song on the album, I actually have three of those. It's one of my favorite opening cuts on a Cheap Trick album. I can almost forgive all the production stuff if it was just limited to this song but even then it still goes a little over the top but there's lots of stuff i love in it i like the melody i like rick's spoken word parts i just i like the message of the song in general i think it's a great tune it's just buried under a bunch of crap that doesn't need to be there it could have been a, a greater tune if it wasn't for that yeah it needs 
real drums. Yep. Get rid get rid of all the other percussion yeah. bullshit. More guitars than keyboards. Yeah, if you take out that little there's that little synthesizer lick there that's like the if you replace that with the same thing on guitar, far cooler song. Yeah, yeah. But even if you left that in, we're looking at something along the lines of high priest of rhythmic noise or something like that. The, this is a much no, more melodic. It's, it's, this yeah, is a much more melodic than song than that. Yeah. Would, yeah. Right. Maybe you're thinking of that just because of Rick's little spoken part, but yeah. that's not like a huge yeah. part of the song. Yeah, I gotta agree with BJ. It's far more melodic than that. Yeah, but what I'm saying, guys, is that if you take I Won't Be Man and High Priest of Rhythmic Noise, those are neat little quirky things that are, okay, this is that that song on that album, right? It's not indicative of the rest of it. Joe, you, you said if this were the only song that sounded like this, it would be great. But this is where the trouble starts, right? This is an indicator to the album. This, is, this could have been the opening song on their tour, right? Wasn't it though? It, it was for a for a little while. Yeah, and this is what you hit people with. You know, I can understand what they're going for thematically, right? Like yeah. for example, you've got this like cool aloof David Bowie vocal thing, and then Robin does that transition, and of course, it's up to you. It's a great typical '80s cheap trick up song. You know, like reach out and take it or something like that. I this song has the potential to be great. I don't think that the band's performances are bad at all. It's those damn over and over and over again. It's just ridiculous. And it kills any momentum that the song has. And it's there. It's actually there. Yeah. Cause I would say that about like a lot of the songs on this album, the bones of the song are there. I mean, like Rick's guitar on this song is great. It's loud. Maybe it could be louder, but like those staccato bursts of, of chords are fantastic.
So I put up two different polls on Cheap Talk, the Facebook page, and I asked on one poll, what's the worst song on The Doctor by Cheap Trick? And on the other poll, the best song off of The Doctor. Let's take a look at where this song ranks on both of them, okay? On the worst song of The Doctor, it is the seventh worst song on The Doctor. Over on the best song on The Doctor, it actually comes in number three spot with 24 votes. It's Up to You is the number one song for those people off of The Doctor. So that's pretty good, right? So you're saying that some people pick this as the worst song on the whole album? Seventh worst. Yeah, so it's actually the worst. same. Yeah, you're right. It actually kind of flips around when you think about it. If it's three and seven, it uh, flips. Yeah, you're right. But, but when you did a poll, which is the worst song on The Doctor, some people selected this as the worst song in their opinion. Correct. Well, ranking. Yeah, yeah. ranking-wise. Yeah. We will get to those other rankings as we progress through the album so if they would have just done something different with that i'm going to call it the outro drum part yeah this song uh, would have been a good song yeah the song is partially ruined by the mix or the production or whatever you would call it mm -hmm. right very good all right i'm gonna give this one uh a bit of a thumbs up i'm not going all the way but i can see where the heart is you know what i'm saying this is uh there's there's some Typical cheap trick funness about this, right? Yeah. So if we were doing the Michael Butler scale, it would be would it be a one from you, BJ, or a half? And a half. Yeah, Ken? I would give it a one. I'd give it a one, and Ken would give it a half. Yeah. By the way, Joe, you are deputized as the guest to keep track. So okay. get a pen and paper because <laughs> I'm not doing this shit. You are. <laughs> we make the guests do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> What are you doing? What is that? Chopping down a tree, Joe? <laughs> I'm, I'm making a graph. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's going on with this guy? All right, done. Good Lord. I figured a post-it note might work, but no. <laughs> we're building a graph. All right. Up next on The Doctor... It's Rearview Mirror Romance. <sighs> oh my. Someone has a strong opinion already. <laughs> romance in a Rearview Mirror. So, why, you know, why didn't they call it that? Romance in a Rearview Mirror instead of Rearview Mirror Romance. It's, it's very awkward, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Not a good right. song title. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> so written by Nielsen and Xander and comes in at 4 minutes and 32 seconds. Joe Roiland, the sighing guy. Why don't you let us know why you sigh? Uh, this is another song that could have been a, a much better song if it wasn't like just buried under a mountain of every 80s cliche in the world. The arrangement on this song would have flown if it was like the 12 inch remix version of the song <laughs> yeah but 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 being like the album version of the song it's oh, it's 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 awful it's painful to hear what they did to this song uh it, it just could have been so much better i mean because it's got a cool you know it's got a nice melody and 
And it could have been a, a good cheap trick song, but they just destroyed it with the mix and the arrangement. It's just, it's, it is, it's painful. It's painful to listen to it. Especially, uh, I, I can't even go into it. It's just <laughs> terrible. You know, I think that I would like to hear this song played on an accordion in uh, Zydeco style. <laughs> I think it would be a better, a better fit. BJ, your thoughts on Romance in the Rearview Mirror? I know what it says on the album cover. I'm calling it that. <laughs> yeah, just right from the beginning, the intro is horrendous, and the and also the breakdown part later in the song is just oh. so horrible. The, go, the, go, the go, production, go. <laughs> the production is a complete nightmare. Also, really, really dumb topic for a song like flirting in traffic. I mean, it's so the lyrics are super stupid. It's really dumb, and I I'm just annoyed. So the chorus, the lyrics, just romance in the rearview mirror just annoys me. I don't like it. It doesn't flow well, so that ruins it too. The verse melody is good, but the production on the chorus just completely goes to shit, and then the lyrics are really dumb. So this is not a song that I really would say I like overall, even though it, because it's, you know, it's a cheap trick song. It has elements that are good, but not enough, BJ, not enough the, uh, to overcome the bad parts. On that, I just want to ask a question. Do you like the counter melody part? Because that's like one of the only things I like in this song, with the little counter melody that with the what could be better. Because I remember you uh, were talking in a, an episode in your show about the Ramones, about how you like songs with like little counter melody parts. Yeah, yeah, the verse is good. The verse has, you know, there's a lot of cheap trick in that verse. And uh, that it doesn't sound like it's Rick, though. Like, that should be the Rick part. Right. You know, that what could be better part. I w that would be great if it was Rick doing like a fucked up Rick voice. <laughs> you know, it would be even better. Yeah, the verse I like. The chorus is shit, though. I mean, there's a melody there, but the the just the, the the lyrics and the production just makes it pretty much unlistenable for me. I don't have much to say about this song. <laughs> so, so is this zeros across the board? I, it's so painful to do that. Is this like, is this someone's driving? And they look in the rearview mirror and they meet, they lock eyes with a woman. And then that's a song? That. That's it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I could see how it's a quirky Rick idea, right? Yeah. It's not something that would have wound up on Dream Police. It's not something that would have wound up on Heaven Tonight or the first album. And at this point, you really get an idea of how far Cheap Trick strayed from the original concept. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, thematically, it would have made more sense if it was about, like, a one-night stand, and it's like, oh, I'm looking at you in my rearview mirror now, and bye-bye. But it's not that. And and now you're gone. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not that. I want to give this at least half a point, but I can't even do that, because the bad just far outweighs the good in this song. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not a good one. So what's our, what's our vote here? Uh, I think it's zeros across the board. BJ, are, are you a zero on this? Yeah, yeah. The bad parts overwhelm anything that was possibly good about it, yeah. Our ranking for Rearview Mirror Romance, uh, let's see, on the see, worst... See, it's, it's hard to even say, let alone sing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, Rearview Mirror is just not... 
you know, you got to think about that when you're when you're writing a song and the melody. You got to think about the words. Right. You know, those words are too cumbersome for one thing. So. Well, this is why they sang it "Romance in the Rearview Mirror." So it's just trying <laughs> right. to be clever.
on the worst song off of the Doctor poll, this one comes in at the fifth worst song off of the Doctor. And then we go over to the best poll, and it comes in at five. It comes in at five <laughs> on both. So you guys are pretty consistent, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nine people picked this song as their favorite song off of side one of The Doctor by Cheap Trick. So up next, the song that I think might get the worst of it, because I almost think like we, we blame everything on the title cut, right? This is what the artwork looks like. This is the... The weird thing on the album. And again, if any of these songs were in that weird song category by themselves, but it's almost like if you got an entire album of nothing but I Want Be Man, this is what the Doctor is. So these are like all their weird, quirky songs for the most part. Those weird ones that were on the occasional Cheap Trick album. This is it. And here we are at track three. The Doctor, written by Rick Nielsen. So, BJ, your thoughts on The Doctor? Well, there's a cool little Rick Nielsen riff, but as soon as the vocals kick in, it sucks big time. <laughs> it's just not good. The chorus is not good. Really thin production on the chorus, and it's just kind of dumb, the lyrics. I don't know if it's because of the how the record sounds, but on this album, the bad lyrics really stand out for me and just add to, it's just one additional strike against the songs or some of the lyrics. And this would be one of the songs on here. Just like the last song where the lyrics also just add to the disaster. <laughs> and the terrible drum sound of course continues. So just overall, there's a little cool riff and that's it. Everything else is a disaster really to me for this. So this is just, yeah, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Robin's vocals are fine. It's just the material, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when a band called Cheap Trick can't save this song, you know you've got problems. And it, if you hear that uh, Funk Number no. 9 demo that's on the box set, it was a cool little jam. And, you know, you know that Rick could have... That little riff, <laughs> you know, you need a lot more to make a good song, but... It had something going for it, but that's just one small element, so. Well, yeah, that, the Funk Number no. 9, the demo, that almost sounds like a Prince jam session. Yeah. But this, The Doctor, that's, uh, it's, it is my least favorite song on the album. I imagine it that if The Who had decided to record an 80s concept album but rejected it, this would have been the title track from that record. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, because that's, that's what I, I hear a lot of elements of a bad Who song in here. Yeah, that's how I feel about that song. Well, let's turn it over to the folks on the Cheap Talk Facebook page. This comes in at number two of the worst song on The Doctor with 15 votes. And the one that's in number one just blows it away and we'll we'll get to that when we get to that <laughs> yeah. now where this fits in on the best song of the doctor poll it comes in at number nine with two people saying it's their favorite track <laughs> wow on the album 
I think they should call a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, it, just imagine that they're going to the Ohio Rib Cook-Off and Cheap Trick's playing tonight, and they're going, what do you think? Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the year they pull out the doctor? Huh? Huh? <laughs> wow. I don't know if that would ever happen. So, I'm giving this one a big thud, a big zero, a big bomb, bupkis, nothing. Yep. Again, zeros across the board. Yeah. This is so painful. Do we have to finish this episode? <laughs> I love Cheap Trick. I don't like talking about them uh, in a bad way. Everybody's fallible, Ken. Everybody's fallible. How dare you? It's a huge mystery. Why is it a big mystery, BJ? Just what happened? How did this happen? Yeah. Who made these decisions? Who okayed it? <laughs> How did it turn out this way? So, on to our next track. Track four, Are You Lonely Tonight? When I was writing about this while I was taking notes the other night, I wrote, Are you sure this wasn't a theme song to Nickelodeon's kids show in the 90s? Because it sure does sound like one. This sounds like something that would have been called Bratz or something. And it would have been, <laughs> you know, over and 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 over again. Whoever thought this was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that ridiculously pe- repeating loopy keyboard effect that sound. What is that song? Uh, Elephant Dance? Uh, the do 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 Yes. Whoever thought that was a good idea, uh, kill that person. You know, I mean, uh, that's a strong thing to say, but. Well, we we're not we're not going that far. That's those <laughs> go to sit and spin and write him. I didn't say that. <laughs> that person definitely needs a doctor. They need uh, Doctor Kavorkian. <laughs> yeah. You want to save this song? You want to save it? Have the bass player play that. That yeah. There you go. You have everything you had with it, and it's not going to make people vomit. I love the bones of this song. Yes, me too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's a good tune. It's uh, got a great guitar solo. It would have made a great, almost power poppy type song, but the production just kills it again. Mm-hmm. I could hear It's Up To You and Are You Lonely Tonight on the next album, and they would fit right in if they didn't have those weird choices. Yeah, that very 80s little keyboard lick is uh, so cheesy, but it doesn't kill the song for me. Um, I think the verse melody is is pretty great, and the drums are at least lower in the mix and not as obnoxious as they have been on previous songs, I think. And they're mostly real drums. Yeah. There are are parts where you can definitely tell it's triggered, but I mean, mostly it's real drums. Like where it goes... I think the chorus is a little bit generic and not as great as the verse. The bridge is good before the solo, so I like this song. Yeah. I definitely like the song, but would you, you give know, it a one or a half? Yeah, I would I would give it a one. I'd I'd give it a one too. I'm going to give it a one because there's a great song in here. Yeah. 
But you know, put this put this song on one of the previous albums, and it's definitely not going to stand out as one of the better songs, obviously. So, but it's one of the better songs on this album. <laughs> right. You could put the song on later albums by the band, and it might stand out as one of the better songs. I, w- I would love the experiment if this song was on one of the new albums, if all the fans would just freak out over how great it was. <laughs> right. Put this out, we're all all right, and everybody would think it's the greatest song ever. <laughs> I but wish you could do that experiment. I want to do that experiment where take take a bunch of Cheap Trick songs that, that most fans don't really like, but somehow erase their memories of those songs and put them out as the new Cheap Trick album and watch everybody rave about how good it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I can tell, this album has been erased in a lot of fans' minds. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard to get for the longest time, you know. It wasn't until it was uh, remastered for that box set that we got a really cool remastering of it, you know. Yeah. For the longest time, it was dead. It was You couldn't find it. It was Kisses the Elder, right? Yes. I Kiss nerds the- all over the country just went, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, before that box set came out, they remastered, all, and it might even be the same remastering, but they remastered and reissued all their albums in Japan, and I have uh-huh. that version as well as the original version. So you've got two different versions of crap. Uh, three, because I have the vinyl, too. And <laughs> actually four, I have the, and, and the cassette tape as well. So <laughs> Hey, Joe, I, from the rest of the show from now on, whenever you're talking, we're just going to play... Underneath it. It really does sound like that elephant dance song. Yeah. It's weird.
Well, let's take a look at what our friends over at the Facebook page had to say. As far as the worst song on the Doctor poll, this one comes in at number four. Wow. So let's flip it over to see what the best song on the Doctor poll, what it said. And it comes in at seven. Are you lonely tonight? Best song on the Doctor. There's ten people that thought that was the best song on the Doctor. And they might be right. So our scores are, this is the first 1-1-1 one, one, one across the board? Yes. Yes. I, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Okay. Track five, Name of the Game, written by Nielsen and Xander once again. Joe Royland, your thoughts on Name of the Game? Uh, to me, this one sounds like it could have come off a film soundtrack, too. Uh, I'm not really a fan of it. Uh, I think it's plotting. I don't really like the chorus, and much like the chorus, when I hear this song, I just wish it was over and over and over, period. But, uh, yeah, this is one of my least favorite tracks on the album. So over and over and over again, right? It's kind of got that theme within itself. Again, this is one of those weird, quirky, cheap trick songs. It just happens to be on an entire album of pretty much quirky, cheap trick songs instead of... And there's two different kinds of quirky, right, BJ? There's one that's like, this song is not a song like any other band. There's that kind of cheap trick quirky. And then there's those weird ones like High Priest of Rhythmic Noise or I Won't Be Man or something like that. Do you, do you pick up what I'm putting down, or you think I'm full of crap? I know what you're talking about, but I don't hear a lot of cheap trick in this song, really. Uh, I agree with Joe's word, plotting. That's It's just kind of boring a lot of the way through. And uh, the drum's so high in the mix, I wrote down, but it mm. sounds like it might actually be Bunny playing them instead of Robo Bunny. But... Uh, it's. I don't think this is a terrible song, but it just doesn't have much of a hook or anything that really makes it not be just kind of boring and doesn't really sound like cheap trick to me did you guys catch the reference to surrender in the yes lyrics? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad it's in this song <laughs> yeah exactly well someone mentioned that the other night on the facebook page that uh, cheap trick really dips in lyrically to past songs yeah yeah which is fun yeah i like that it can be, but at some point it's like, again? So this is almost a case of, again, why'd you waste it on this one? Like, I was thinking, when I, like, listen to this song, I was like, I hear more 80s Queen or something in this song than I hear Cheap Trick. It just doesn't really feel much like Cheap Trick. Like, if you look at yeah, some of these, agree with at that. these, if you look at Rearview Mirror Romance or The Doc, you hear these elements that are very identifiably Cheap Trick, even in those songs that we've been shitting all over you know mm -hmm. but i don't really hear it in this very much not that 80s queen is bad <laughs> no no you know <clears throat> well where do you fall on this one ken it could have been great could have been something good there's something in here that's neat but it does come off as soundtracky and it also like i said this is just one of those weird quirky cheap trick songs like could you put this on one-on-one -on -one? no i could no I don't think I I mean yeah I don't hear it really so what's our score uh, I give it a half I, I, I gotta I'm gonna give it a zero <laughs> I'm gonna give it a half uh, 
So let's take a look at the rankings, and we've got Name of the Game. It comes in off the worst song on The Doctor. Name of the Game, no one voted for it as the worst song on The Doctor. So it's just, it's floating around there, right? They forgot it was there. <laughs> yeah. And over on the best song on The Doctor by Cheap Trick, it comes in at, it comes in at number six with ten people naming this song as one of their favorites off the album. So there's something here to this song. So so let's take a look back at side one, just to sum up side one, right? I feel off of this, if I were the producer, right, I would say you're going to keep these songs. Which songs would you keep off of this to make a Cheap Trick album? And I'm not saying that we accept them as they are, but the, here's a, these, are, these are good songs. We can make something out of them. BJ, what would you pick? Just, it's up to you and Are You Lonely Tonight. Here you have the second and third songs on the record are two of the kind of universally considered the worst. Like maybe in their whole catalog. So that's, you know, that's not a good way to kick off a record. Right. right? Yeah. Joe, if you were the producer, which of these five songs would you keep? I'd say the same as BJ. I might keep Rearview Rear, Mirror Romance, but I'd, I'd work on it, definitely. <laughs> Uh, no, I just make it more more sound like a cheap trick song than, yeah. than what they did with this record. I would pick It's Up to You, Are You Lonely Tonight, and Name of the Game. Because I could see Name of the Game being like, I don't know, the eighth song on the album or ninth song on the album. But there's something there. So for me, out of these five songs, it's It's Up to You, Are You Lonely Tonight, and Name of the Game. Those are the ones that have enough cheap trick essence about them. So that was our discussion of The Doctor, side one. We hope you didn't get sick, and if you do, go see a doctor. And if you've never listened to this, it's still an essential part of your Cheap Trick catalog, right, BJ? Uh, essential might be a strong word. <laughs> okay, for completist. Yes. You son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm a completist, and I love Cheap Trick, so I still proudly own this album. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of... You want to have it at least for a couple of songs. All right. That was side one. We'll see you on the next episode of Cheap Talk. See you. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. Ah, yes, it's the dance theme from Skype. I'm trying to add Joe right now. We'll see if it works. Joe, come on in. Let's talk about cheap trick, because it's fun. Joe. Come on in. He's got a cool Mr. Spock icon. It's Joe <laughs> Royland. It's Ken Podfather. And How I'm you, singing sir? in the morning, Joe, <laughs> BJ, and Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I think it's cool that Kiss wrote a bunch of songs about me. There's <laughs> Ken in the USA, Ken All Night, you know. If you just cut the beginning of the words off, it's Ken rocking. Can, 
Can you guys make sure that that singing gets added into the show at the end? Because that I was can, great. I can make a song about you right now if you want me to. You know that you know that Iron Maiden song about you. Can I play with madness? Yes, can I play yeah. with madness? It's one of my favorite songs. We went along with Cheap Trick as the hard rock band made a tour swing through Texas. feels great it's like being at a uh, you know a big party it gives you a thrill when you know you've won the audience over we're musicians and music fans first our band is so that's the reason we do it is because we get up there every night and we play for you and for ourselves and we try to have a good time doing it i love what i do yeah very much as, as much as we're on the road you really have to love what you do with the traveling and touring and being in the studio, I'm gone from my house at least 300 days a year. I've crisscrossed the state so many times. Uh, we're in Texas here. I've seen it so many times, I know that we hardly ever look out the window. We usually keep the curtains shut. <laughs> we have a salad, a Big Mac, large iced tea, and a stomach pump. The chimpanzee. Here's my Rick Nielsen Skellington outfits. What a waste of money. You made ship sale. We're close, but um, our friendship's based on a mutual respect for music in general and, and because we have a lot in common. Good at me. Don't talk. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Playing rock and roll is pretty much fun. I started out as a hobby, and uh, now that's what all I've done all of my life, really, since I was 15. I met Rick, and when I was in fourth grade at the sixth grade graduation, Rick was playing drums, and I was like, ah, oh, that's the guy. And he got in a band and I got in a band and uh, we ended up together after high school because there was no one left in town to play with. So we got in a rock band together. All the good guys that were left kind of got together. Ended up to be Cheap Trick. Room service. Mmm. Good, huh? Lots of good stuff here. Throw in the case. Part. We'll take it. Rock I just bought a guitar. Oh my God. No problem. <laughs> I was uh, 12 years old when the Beatles came out, and I dawned on me I wanted to become a drummer. I started when I was probably about 14 years old, and just played some carnivals and some other bands. I was always the guy that owned all the equipment in the band so that people couldn't fire me, the other people in the band couldn't fire me. You gotta learn how to throw your junk around the room. It's very appropriate. You gotta learn how to mess the bed up without even getting in it. And know how to throw the stuff all over the floor. You have to have, of course you have to have sunglasses. You, know, you can't be in rock hall without a couple pairs of these. 
still need a doctor 